Hey there, I know I'm crazy listening audience. This is your host, Naja Hall. Today we have an extra special episode and it's a pretty long one. So I just want you to be prepared because we're going to go through so many layers of our guests, Corey Andrews' life. Corey did not meet his biological father until he was 38 years old. So stick around after this dance break to find out exactly what Corey's mom told him about his father's absence, what he did in the meantime, and how it feels to wake up one day and find out you have nine sisters and brothers. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. So my friend Corey Andrew wears many hats as a copywriter, content producer, and he hosts his very own podcast. He's an excellent interviewer, by the way, and I'm not just saying it because he's my friend. He literally interviewed me last week, and he is the bomb. He has a lot of experience in art direction, video production, video editing, writing, and producing on-air promos. He is also a very talented Vogue dancer. Corey can vogue his behinds off. Um, I feel like I saw him in that Madonna thing, but Corey's not, you know, aged enough to do that. So after years of freelancing in 2019, he is now the full-time content producer for the National Society of Leadership and Success, the nation's largest leadership honor society with over 1.3 million members. In 2021, he became the new host of the popular NSLS podcast. Motivational Mondays. His debut episode features an interview with Tokyo Olympic Civil. Sil- his first. His debut episode featured an interview with Tokyo Olympic silver medalist Raven the Hope Saunders, discussing mental health in professional sports. He also had Oprah's boo Stedman on there, so we gotta, you know, we gotta. We wanna hear how Stedman was too. Is he really a kept man like we think? But Corey Andrew, welcome to I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. Oh. joined us. Yes, thank you so much, Naja. I'm really excited and so honored. You know I am Team Naja all the way, all day. And I just, I think you're just awesome. I love you. So this is a great honor to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yes, yes. So Corey and I met you all. We met, I think it was 2018. I was shooting a sizzle reel for what was what we were hoping would become a a tv show when you're trying to show on television you have to present like a cute little six minute tape of what you're doing what you're going to talk about and so Corey was one of the people that was very important in helping me out in bringing that vision to life and he started talking on set because he's like well can you do this work with blended families i come from a blended family and you know, guys, when somebody tells me they come from a blended family, I'm like, tell me a story. Did I get the Asian voice right? Tell me, <laughs> tell me a story. Yes. <laughs> so, so, Corey, um, so that I don't botch anything, give us, give us your story. Tell mm-hmm. us about your blended family experience. Okay, so in a nutshell, because it's a, it's kind of it's kind of in depth, but the. Yeah, we have time. Okay. Well, so basically I'm an only child born to my mom. My mom only had me. And um, so at the time when I was born, my father and she split up because um, she did not feel that he was contributing and taking care of me. And 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 uh, he did not pay child support as the, the courts had um, enforced that he were he was to do. But back in those days, you know, they didn't really enforce child support payments, right? So she was like, after a couple of times of that, she was like, you know what? I'm not even going to go through this anymore. Forget it. I'm not going to ask him for any more money. I'm going to raise you as my own child. And she gave me her last name and not his last name, which I think looking back is quite progressive, right? She was like, you know, that's earned. Yeah. She felt like a last name is earned. And so anyway, so and it was really tough, you know? I want to give my kid the, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost's last name. It's Stranger Danger. Like, who is that person? Yeah. So- Totally. It's like, you know, you really don't have any sort of presence whatsoever. So she said, you don't need to know anything. Uh, I mean, you, all you need to know about him is that he's not here, period. Let's, let's keep it moving. <laughs> so, but you know, it was really tough growing up without a father and wanting that father figure and never having it. And um, 
you know, then you, a child can internalize that and start to feel like, well, he left me. There was something wrong with me. Why did he want me? And then I was also coming to, term, to terms with my, my sexuality issues. And I'm like, well, he knew I was gay when I was a baby. So he left me like, it's just really stupid all stuff that you begin. Oh yeah. my God. And you were, you know, you really internalize all that. So no siblings. So I had a great childhood, but it was lonely because I had no siblings and, you know, um, no father around. So the story changes though. Um, when I turned 38 years old, I was visiting my mom for Thanksgiving. And when I left a day after I got home back home to Jersey, she was like, Hey, a man called, a man called here last night. And I was talking to him. And at some point he says, if your name is Mercedes and your son is Corey, then your son is my brother. And my mom paused <laughs> dramatically. My brother tells me the story. And she was like, really? And he said, yes, ma'am. Is that accurate? Is that your son? And she said, what's your name? And um, he said, my name is Cliff. And she says, well, your mother's a better woman than I am because she gave you his name. So our father's name is Cliff. <laughs> my mom can be very fierce. So your mom still had some feelings. You started for 38 years. She still had some feelings about yeah. this man. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't love at this point, but she definitely oh, still. Love <laughs> yeah. She was feeling something. Yeah. So then going back, because before we get into the siblings and I want to talk about mom's feelings, because one thing we know is we have a parent there that is very present. Mom was the one that was present. As they say, mama's baby, papa's maybe. She couldn't just go off in the wind. She had the responsibility of caring for this human being, keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like she was necessarily happy about him abandoning her and you. Looking back, knowing all that you know now, do you think that it would have been possible for her to find a way? If there were healthy um things back then if there were healthy outlets back then therapy women's groups for dad to be in your life or was that his choice yeah that was definitely his choice because after i believe the second time that he that he failed to pay the child support that the courts actually told him he had to pay mm -hmm. um she said well maybe it's just a financial thing so she actually extended the olive branch and she said to him listen you and me if we're not together, that's fine. But come around and let your son know who you are. Make sure your son knows you. So come around and do that. And that is the part that he failed on. So it is at that point that she said, okay, we're going to just do this um, alone. You know, so it was really that was the decision that really for her was like, yeah, we're going to leave this alone. And she like didn't ever, what the, the best thing though I can say is she never bad mouthed him and all that time. She told me he didn't do what he was supposed to. He didn't take care of me. He didn't pay his child support, but she never bad mouthed him or bashed him because she said, she, she said, I always thought you might meet him one day and I don't want to poison your mind against him. You have to have your what own relationship with him. How did you, and this is me playing devil's advocate, because I think on one hand, when did you know that he wasn't paying child support? Do you remember how old you were? Well, I mean, child support on its own was not even really something I considered. I just knew that there was no presence of a male figure. And so when I would, yeah. would ask, like, where is my father? That's when I would be told, you know, and that was as, probably as early as five. You know what I mean? When I began to hey, ask. Because you ask questions. You, she yeah. has to give you an answer. Mm -hmm. And so and she was always honest about stuff. Like, you know, she the one thing I think maybe why today I'm a, I'm a communicator and a writer and I deal with language and it's my passion is because she spoke to me as a human being from mm. early on. I remember uh, really quickly, I remember like being like in kindergarten and a little boy who was a little wild, little rambunctious boy. Um, pointed to his private and they called it a, I'm going to spell it out if I may, D-I-C-K. Mm -hmm. And I went home and I told my mom, I said, mom, this is my D-I-C-K. And she looked at me and she said, where did you get that from? And she didn't even react poorly. She said, let me tell you what that's called. That's called right. a penis. Mm -hmm. and you don't call it that in this house. And this is what it's called. Mm 
And right. I was like, okay. And I went on back to playing, right? Knowing the correct anatomical name for right. my junk. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's how she spoke to me as a child. So, so yeah. real with you. So at five, year, five years old, I do imagine at this point you're going to school and you're seeing other children, mom and a dad. You're like, what is mine? Where is mine? And yeah. then of course media also, especially, you know, at that time, trade traditional families well you know we have stories now about the blended aspect but so you always probably knew something was missing so what would mom say and this will totally i want the mothers out there that are in this plight i want you guys to open your ears because this guy this mother raised a man that knows how to communicate and does not have these deep father wounds that mom created so what did mom say yeah she basically would say like i just explained uh really to you that she would just say, well, your father refused to pay child support. And she'd say, well, I took him to court once and the judge told him he had to pay. And then two weeks, three weeks go by, he didn't. I took him to court again. And in those days, they weren't really in judge. They weren't really, you know, um, enforcing that father's would pay child support. They got away with a lot of that early eighties, you know, late seventies sort mm-hmm. of vibe. And, um, and then she just said, so eventually I said that parenthood is a privilege, right? So um, mm-hmm. he's not going to be a part of that. Then there's no need for you to have his last name. Therefore, your last name is my last name. So and then how old were you when she legally changed your last name? Well, here's how fierce she was. She never, that wasn't a legality. That was me out of the womb because they weren't married. So. Okay. She just okay. was like, you know, it was automatic because if he didn't put a ring on it. It's funny because traditionally, like you would, the, the tradition is that automatically the child has the man's name, marriage or not. Traditionally, men were marrying these women that they got pregnant. They were doing <laughs> shotgun weddings. Right. So, like, if you're going to be, it's me in the household and my baby, and the dad is way off over there across town, thinking of things like doctor's appointments, you know. It's just easy enrolling your child in school and you having the same last name. Mm-hmm, yeah. And also they're a big piece of their identity not being tied to a stranger. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, That's, that was the big one. Growing up, the, the, the biggest problem for me was not knowing what this figure looked like. And I was so hungry for it. Like, like? you- no, I had so no photos, no nothing. She had nothing. She had nothing of him. And she would tell me like, oh, well, I know his sister lives blah 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 blah. and at one point when I turned 18 she gave me this is really something that he doesn't know because <laughs> he and I are, you know we talk now but mm-hmm. when I was um 18 she got a hold of his social security number and she said I'm going to give you this and you can do with it what you want and I literally consulted with a lawyer and I asked an attorney I said has there ever been a case where a grown man at 18 goes back and sues the father for never giving him child support. And the lawyer said, I've never heard of that, but if you do it, I want to be your lawyer. What? And somewhere along the lines, I just said, you know, I don't know. I just, yeah. but it was See, a good, it was an interesting concept. If mom took him to court for child support, that means he was legally supposed to be paying. So that means there's some arrears somewhere where he owed this big lump sum of money because he had not paid a dime in 18 years. Yeah, I mean, there's a legal thing there. I mean, of course, as far as paying me anything now, I'm a grown man and take care of myself no, and don't need it. Mom. But, but right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, now you bring up an interesting point, um, you know, to fast forward a little bit, we can get into the details. But, you know, as we, as we mentioned, I did meet him. And that very first time meeting him, it was a quite lackluster relationship. And I was wondering why he was not um, being more approachable to me after we had just uh, assuming, you know, a, a re, um, we had reconciled kind of in Wait a way. A you, she, when you were 18, she gave you his social. You didn't, you know, you lived your life. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to be cool. I'm right. not thinking about that right I now. Deal with it. 20 years later at 38 years old, Mm-hmm. you made first contact or is that when this this brother reached out to mom yeah everything is all through my brother cliff who i absolutely love and i, I miss it's amazing because i went from having no siblings to like this man that well i love all my siblings because i've talked to all of them but cliff is really special because he gave me 
this family. gift. He gave me his family. Yeah. He gave me, he gave me himself, right? He, he reached out to me. He was an IT specialist and this is in the days of MySpace. Oh, so, okay. so both our moms, yeah, I miss MySpace. <laughs> so both our moms were aware of each other because they were both apparently seeing our father at the same time. So he and I are kind of close in age, but he's younger than me, but his mom was aware of my mom. So his mom is aware of my mom and my mom's aware of his mom. So his mom at some point told him, I need to talk to you. You have a brother out there. And, you got and, and he said, what? And she told him about me and she remembered my mom's address, like not address, but city. Baby, let me tell you something about us women. We don't remember <laughs> who was messing with our man. I know your address where you look like your social media, your kid's name was school. They go to <gasps> No, for real. She literally did know that. She told him, she was like, what I remember is she lived in this town. Her parents' name was this and blah, 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 blah. And the phone is still in my grandfather's name, right? So from like the 1960s. So that same phone yeah. number. So when he did his research, he called and he had called through different options through the phone book he had went through and landed on my mom and had the right person. And that's how he oh. found her, found me. And then he said to me, you've never met our father. And then I told him the whole story. I was like, no, my mom just bounced when he didn't do right. She left him to y'all. <laughs> and so all the other siblings, they all know him. So how many other siblings are there? How many children does he was, have, not including you? I was trying to remember like exactly, make sure I don't get the number wrong, but I do think it's, including me, I think it's nine or 10. I, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that we know of, yeah. <gasps> so, so did he marry any of the mothers? Like, was he in, in? He did. In fact, he's happily married now to a beautiful woman, you know, and I have two wonderful siblings through that marriage. So he, he, he did eventually. And at, at, at this point, what I want to believe is that finally he got it right. Maybe, you know, he's a different man today yeah. and I'm hoping that mm -hmm. he can, you know, he's being that husband to someone who he should have been and, um, and being a good father that he should have yeah. to my younger so, siblings. So then you, you Cliff calls up your mom, mom links you and Cliff, you guys, he starts mm -hmm. just kind of telling you everything. Like, Hey, you haven't met dad. You don't know him. Right. Right. And yeah. you tell him the story. So what was his experience with, um, your, your father? Obviously it was different because he knew him. Mm -hmm. He thinks of my father very highly, um, having huh. been around him. Um, but you know, he also acknowledges that my father was complicated. He knows that my father had other children and didn't always make them priority. And, um, so he, I mean, he was aware of some of that kind of the philandering ish lifestyle, okay. you know, um, okay. but not to the degree that, not to the degree that they knew they had a, a whole, a brother out there completely removed from all of it. So that was a little bit of a shock to the system because they all they all know each other too. All those siblings know each other. So it's like them as them and me. Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmom, that's you and me. So then when you finally met him, mm -hmm. biological, paternal part of yourself, was it a face-to-face -face meeting? Was it phone? Did he live? Were you like the kid that grew up in the house three doors down and didn't know the guy <laughs> was dad? Well, you know, really quickly, this is interesting. So my family is all from like deep in the woods in Virginia, right? Kind of little, sometimes little, some relatives are a little spooky when it comes to like, the hills have eyes. Yeah, a little bit, okay. you know, and, and my mom mm -hmm. had a reputation for being really good with the Ouija board, right? And we had an old one made of wood. Like it was like the old, like Hollywood, like real wooden Ouija board. And when I was about maybe 16, I asked my mom if she would play Ouija board and, and ask where my father was. And she was like, no, 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 no. 
So I finally convinced her to do it. And I had never dealt with a Ouija board before. And my mom said, well, you should know that the Ouija board is not a perfect speller because she had a whole thing. Spirits communicate through it and they're not necessarily spelling correctly, but they spell phonetically. And I'm like, okay, you know this? You're like, girl, you can't spell. <laughs> so she asked the Ouija board, Ouija board, you know, where is Corey's father? Where is Clifford Sr.? Where does he live? And I swear to you, the thing began to move. I thought my mom was pushing it and it she wasn't. And it spelled it like began to spell Philadelphia, but with an F. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So that was, I was about 16 when it happened. So yeah, fast forward me. to me being at 38, right? Yeah. And when I finally find my father, he lives 10 minutes outside of Philadelphia in a city of Feasterville, which is spelled with an F. And um, it was so Ooh. random. And my mom had no idea where he was, but that's what the Ouija board said. And years later, I found him. Ask that Ouija board, what's the um, New York line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, that, was about, and that was about an hour an hour from me, I guess, at that time when I okay. found where he lived. But um, my brother said to me, well, you want to meet your father your whole life? Well, I'm going to let him know that I've talked to you and it's time. And here's his phone number. I want you to call him if you feel oh, like it. So all of a sudden I had at 38 years old, this man, this phantom, this enigma that I never thought I'd ever see. I actually had thought I was going to die probably without ever seeing him. I just thought it was like, you know. Never saw his face, never heard his nothing, voice. Nothing. And then I called him, left a message and um, waited for like, a week and didn't hear from him. And then I began to think that he was not going to call and I felt angry and hurt. You felt that rejection, that again. familiar feeling of the five-year-old that mm -hmm. had, once again, you're like- Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was angry because I put myself- It doesn't take anybody a week to talk Corey. It doesn't right. take anybody a week. Come on now. No, especially not when that situation, right? And um, right. so it was Christmas Eve when uh, a week had gone by and I was with my partner here and I was really upset and I just broke down because I said, I can't believe I let him F and reject me again. Now I'm, now it's personal. I'm a grown man. Now he really, now he abandoned me. It wasn't my mom. It was me. Now it's personal. And I'm like bawling. At this yeah. point. I'm bawling. I'm bawling. And I had a voicemail that I didn't know was there. Had, it must have come Sorry. in like at night that night or something because it wasn't there but i my phone had a voicemail and i go to it i hear a pause and i hear hello son this is your father and i have never heard those words before and, oh hello son this is your father and i lofted it and i'm actually getting teary-eyed right now i know your viewer your listeners can't tell but it still makes me emotional because all my life i had just Nobody ever said to that to that. you. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm sorry. I'm getting a little emotional. So I yeah. guess it just, when you said that, um, I'm trying to just close my eyes because you, as this five-year-old boy, then you went into teenagehood, adolescence, starting relationships, having a broken heart, needing things, relying on mom, needing some man. And nobody, nobody ever saying, you are mine. You are, mama said you're my son. Right. But damn, you never heard that until 38. No, the other half, like there's just like, I am made of 50% of two people on this planet. Yeah. Right? And one of them was missing. So I was, half of me was missing my entire life. And I never heard a man, father figure claim me. And I had a grandfather in my life. I had uncles, but you know, not the same. And it was, mm -hmm. and I had tough relationships with my grandfather because, you know, he was a tough mountain man. And so- Mm -hmm. I didn't really fit that narrative too much. Yeah. But yeah. um, yeah, so to hear that, and then he left me a message and said, uh, you know, call me back. And I did. And we talked and it was like amazing. You called him and that I, night? I, when you got I think the business. next day. I think the next day. Okay. And I explained to him, so this is where it gets messed up though. He he met me for dinner, which is amazing. And I sat across from him and just stared at him and he was so warm and loving. Do you look like him? Do, do you? Um, I do. I look, I didn't think I could look like anybody else more than I looked like my mom. But when I saw him, I saw, I looked like him too. I looked like both of them. Oh, and, um, you're like a perfect mix of both of them. Yeah, I'm a good blend of both. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, I totally see it, you know? And um, 
so yeah, it was great. We had this wonderful dinner and uh, we, we met at Red Robin <laughs> and uh, he drove to meet me. I was, we took, picked a, a midpoint. We had dinner. It was great. Mm-hmm. But Wait, so thing. After he, you know, he left you the voicemail, you called him back the next day from that point to where you first make first contact on the phone until you were sitting at Red Robin, how much time had passed? Oh, th- at that point it was really, um, a, gosh, a couple weeks because my birthday is uh, was coming up. And okay. um, it was around Christmas time because I was actually home visiting my mom. So my birthday's in January 28th, Christmas time. So about a month in between there. So I know it was about a couple of weeks after he and I spoke. But you we were still dinner. talking in between that time or like, were you getting introduced to more siblings? Yeah, all the above. So I was trying to reach out to them because Cliff gave me their number and they were really excited to meet me too. They were calling me like, oh my gosh, my one sister who was like an executive at Delta Airlines, she was like arranging, I'm gonna come fly and see you. It was like all this, you know, it was it was intense. I was like, <laughs> You and mom to like goo gobs of people, nieces, nephews, yeah. siblings. Oh my gosh, totally. I mean, that's like a lot of nephews and nieces. Like, like I didn't think I'd ever be an uncle to who? I don't have those. All of a sudden, I was an uncle to these beautiful, wonderful kids. And, um, but I told my father tonight at dinner, I said, listen, you need to understand that when I was a little boy, I wanted to go to the mailbox on my birthday and get a birthday card from my father. So I'm willing to forgive everything in the world you've done to me if on january 28th i go to get to the to my mailbox and there's a card finally from my father and mm-hmm. he said oh of course son you got it give me your address of course son and my birthday came and i'm please please the mailbox stop, you are not this 39 year old man at your mailbox 39 year old man at my mailbox and it's effing empty and then i go the next day well it's coming and it's empty again and it's empty again it's empty again and he failed such a simple easy get out of jail free card and i was tell me what's the reason why you know now he talks about that moment and he's just apologetic with no real explanation he just was not ready to do the right thing that's all i can say sir sir how much time do you need <laughs> I mean, he's like exactly. Nine years. That's, I don't know how old he is, but I mean, yeah. yeah. And I couldn't believe how he failed something. So I was so angry. I got angry again. I felt so again. That was now personal. It started coming back because right. You you look at me in my face before we were enigmas to one another. Right. I was a responsibility that you evaded, but as a man, I said. This is what I need from him. That's all you needed from yeah. him. Yeah. And what's a card at like, you know, a, a quick check Nothing. or a 7-Eleven? A dollar. <laughs> yeah, two dollars. So, so I was so angry. Yeah. And so that was for me. And we just, that was, you know, was we drifted apart. Moment. It was a defining okay. moment where I, for me it was, I said, I'm done. And yeah. I don't need the stress. And what he didn't know as well, like was in my twenties, I ended up going to therapy for bad behaviors. When I was in New York city, I was getting kind of wild. And my oh. therapist helped me figure out, oh yeah, child, look, I was a club kid and anything you could do to alter your reality. <laughs> yeah, I was out there and nineties, New York city was wild, but I was feeling, feeling a void with drugs. And yeah, you were. Out. Yeah, but you know what? I'm so thankful because I heard about '90s New York City, '80s Maybe. '90s. Just thankful you're sitting here because so many did not make it through mm-hmm. that whole phase. So I know a couple of them. Yeah, they didn't. They're yeah. not here. And I had they're a couple moments here. like that. Yeah, you know, I was in the yeah. club a couple times when going unconscious right. from. Yeah, it was like not not pretty. Straight up party. But then what you realize is these are literally coping mechanisms for something that is missing in my life. Yeah. I am trying to regain control of something that I don't feel control of. Mm-hmm. I went yeah. to my boss and I went to my boss. I was working for Young and Rubicam. I was an assistant, my first big New York job at an ad agency. Yeah. And I went to my boss when I really knew I was out of control. And I went to my own boss and I said, I'm in trouble. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to lose my job. I don't know what to do. And I just need to talk to somebody. And my my boss, mm-hmm. thank God, his name was Michael Tellup. I'll never forget it. Hey, he Michael. Explained, thank God for you. Yeah, thank God for him. But he explained that there, what do you call it? Like, uh, is it EPA programs at jobs? Like Employee Psychological yeah. Association? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. My health insurance covered it. I got to see and a therapist. And you got in to see somebody. And that's when I realized that my father, that had been part of that void. I was trying to fill my whole life. 
Um, so these wounds, these wounds, and now you're looking this man in the face. And so what did you learn from that? Having that expectation that if you send me this card, I'll forgive everything. Um, was there a lesson when you were standing out there at that man? Corey, I cannot imagine as a 39 year old. Oh my gosh. You know, was... because it takes you back to that helpless childlike oh my state. Gosh. Yeah, because at, at 39, every time I went to the mailbox, I was actually the five-year-old kid again, internally, anticipating. right? Anticipating. Anticipating that, that thing, that validation. But you know what? I'll just wrap that up with this. What happened was I decided I had to protect my own emotions. And I said, I'm not going to really be upset about that anymore. But I did hold on to it. I was angry. And I held on to that until my last birthday last year. But in that time, my siblings have been getting on my father about how wrong he was for not continuing that relationship. And he was too embarrassed, actually. And he was too ashamed to reach out because he knew he had screwed up. And then he finally decided to start calling me again and asking me for forgiveness. And he did that for a whole year. And I ignored it. And I said, I will not engage this man anymore. And I turned, you know, I turned a certain birthday last year. I was sitting out in the ocean, looking at the ocean. And I said, you know what? I'm going to come back home from this vacation. I'm going to let a lot of go. I'm going to let a lot of stuff go. And the first thing I let go was that. that. It like the salt water cleanses your spirit and your soul and your body. Oh, totally. I came home and I said, I'm going to let a lot of stuff go on this birthday. And the first thing I'm doing is letting that go. So I finally called him back. Mm. and And it was around Christmas. And he broke down crying on the phone and told me, how he did not deserve that phone call. And he's so happy. And he said he wants to give, he wants to have the opportunity again, if I would give it to him to do right this time. And so I did. So this has only been this most recent birthday of yours in yeah, January. This, uh, but, uh, so it's been a, so it was my last, my birthday last year. So it's been a year since. It's um, been a year. But we reconciled this past Christmas. Yes. Like th- Five, four months ago <laughs> that's when we had oh, the, the last yeah. one very so new. after meeting you he let two years 12, go. 12 years went by and the, uh, 12 years and then he finally was convinced by the other siblings so in that time you were building a relationship with the other siblings so they're hearing yeah. he's hearing about you he's oh totally them Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. And like that, you know, they're seeing me like on TV and they're seeing me doing all this. And they're like legitimate on TV, talking to entertainers, living the New York City dream. Yeah. And you can't send a damn card. Oh, yeah. It was really weird. Um, And, um, you know, I was cautious at first, but I reached out to him. And I told him in that conversation, we cannot move forward until I tell you a few things first. Mm. I let him know exactly how I was feeling with no expectation so that if he doesn't do right this time i'm fine i was able to let him know how i felt yes i forgive you and you are gone now right right i told him about the mailbox i told him how he failed the birthday test i told him how how easy that was and he failed it you know and then i told him that i loved him for calling me back and being willing to tell me that you want to now be a part of my existence because it fills a void for me. And I said, so I did you free. love him or did you love what he represented or did you love what you needed from him? Cause it's like, he's still a, essentially at that point was a stranger. Yeah, he, he is a stranger and I don't, and it's a weird term to love. I feel like um, this in the context of love that I meant, I have this sort of innate feeling of, thanking him and loving him for making the effort because he understood, I I feel how important it was for me to try to reconcile this again, but I wasn't going to be the one to mm-hmm. put that effort forth. And once he put that effort forth and I felt like he was trying, I said, you know, I, you know, he texts me all the time now and communicates with me and just will just reach out to me and say, Hey son, just thinking about you. And he thanks me for being allowing, allowing uh, him mm. to be a part of my life at this stage in his life as an elderly older gentleman that he's mm. he says it's a blessing that you are giving me this opportunity just one more time to be a part of your life and I thank you for really? it. Really? So I love he, that. Oh, 
Ooh, I love I love that. He's I mean he says exactly what I needed him to say. You know what I mean? Because it's a privilege. I don't have to be talking to you after all you did to me. <laughs> you don't because you don't need anything at this point. No, no. I'm so thankful that he is what, and I know no human is perfect. And I'm so thankful that he turned out to be what you needed. Mm-hmm. And do you have you ever asked him why? That's the question, is looking him in the eye and just why were you not there? Yeah. Where the hell were you? Well, you know, it's funny. I asked him that when we had dinner the first time. And it's, of course, a little murky. He he wants to sort of, at that point, he wanted to blame other people. You know, he, he claimed that- Your my, mom? Not her, but he claimed that my grandparents didn't like him and all this other, you know, all these things. Okay. Um, it was There were excuses. I will say this last time, he had no excuses other than I fucked up. Like, you know, right. his, I he, the ball. He, he just called me up with straight up accountability this time around. He was like, there's no one to blame. I did not do right. And I'm so sorry, son. And he even said to me, this, this is when I cried on the phone. I can't even imagine what me not being there was like for you. I will never know how much harm I caused you. And I want you to know how sorry I am. I just wish I could take it back. And he started crying. And it just was very cathartic. I just needed my father to understand that he had damaged me in that way. And with that, I was willing to still, if you're willing to reconcile and finally be the guy I need you to be, we ain't got to go bowling every Tuesday, but please your presence. I need something. Yeah, pop up and say hi sometimes, you know? So you didn't really hold his foot to the fire because and I think for a lot of us that are in the thick of things now that are co-parenting currently, you know, we see how difficult it is. Some of us feel like walking away. I do know a lot of fathers who, and this is going to be a tough statement, who have chosen to walk away from their children because of the conflict that comes along with the other parent. Mm -hmm. You know, but now here we're talking to a full grown man who is the product of some adults that couldn't get their stuff together. Right. And now there's a young person that's left here to fend for themselves and guess who you are mm. without your protection, without your side of the story. So I now one thing I could say is if you are a parent, if you are a father in the situation, um, just short of your life being threatened, um, you got to do something. Because Corey, I can't imagine what him, you know, let's just say mom was keeping him away or mm-hmm. there was some legal stuff to where he couldn't see you. I, I, I imagine what it would have meant to you implanting core memories. If you would have seen him at school, like waving at you, like, Hey, yeah. I'm your dad. Yes. You know, I can't talk to you right now, but I love you. Like what would that right. have done? It would have been everything. Worth. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you raise a good point. Self-worth. I mean, I real I grew up feeling like um, I was devalued because one parent didn't care enough to stick around. And, you know, and even when my mother gave him the option of like, you know, you ain't got to be with me if we're not together, but show your face, let your kids see. Take your child. Right. Take your kid, you know, to the park sometimes, come around. And, um, but you know what? He couldn't do that because he was a player and he had a lot of kids to take to the park at that time, apparently. Well, let's go to the school bus and let everybody go like a field trip then. Yeah, 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 I know. Well, it's just crazy. Um, yeah, you're, I do. They're you're great, siblings, great. so there's, 10 of you guys, I'm sure you're probably spread about the country. Yep. Um, a lot of Atlanta, a lot of Florida. Together? Has everybody ever been together at one time? So I've only met Cliff. I've talked to okay. all of them mostly. Um, okay. I have these incredible sisters and um, the most recent one is my father's current family has my two siblings, um, Hazel and um Ellis and Hazel is just, just amazing young woman who works in medicine in, in New York City, like a hospital mm-hmm. administrator, gorgeous. Like she's like, I want to just like dress her up like a like a fashion doll. And so, you know, she's like, if anybody was gonna have so a like a sister. You then yeah, she looks she lives close. She's in Jersey, but close to Manhattan, like me. Um okay. but yeah, no, they're all spread about. Um, they all got together once. Um, when I wasn't really sort of, I was still kind of standoffish. I didn't know where I yeah. was and everything. But yeah. right now, my my dad did say, um, I just called him my dad. See, he's my dad. So my yeah, dad did dude. say that um, my, our sister, Kathy, who was the um, Delta exec or Delta, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, she's organizing. She's trying to coordinate something. A with family the family trying. For all okay. Of us. Yeah. 
So, so do you call time. him by his first name or do you address him as dad? Sometimes dad, but um, mostly I call him pop. Pops. Okay. Pop or pops. It does feel a little less familiar when you say pops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. safe, it's a safer place, but you know what? Yeah. But every now and then, um, you know, dad happens to, but mostly I call him pops, but he calls himself dad. Hey, Corey, it's dad. So, and I gotta be honest, I love when he does that. <laughs> I feel like I have a, I have a freaking dad. So how did mom, how does mom feel about this big old new bunch that you've acquired? Mm. And how does she feel about you talking to her baby daddy? Whoa, how does she yeah. feel about this whole 30 years of hard work? Yeah. And he gets to come in and be dad. How does mom feel? Naja, you are so intuitive. See, that's why you do what you do. That's why you are amazing at what you do because you just, you you zone right in on. Okay, my mom is elated that I found my siblings because she knows how much I've always wanted to have brothers and sisters. Siblings? And she's, okay. <laughs> now, let me tell you what I did to her, and I feel so bad when I told her when I met my father. One after we met, I was home at her house, and I was so wrapped up in everything. I was on the phone with him. He said, "Put your mother on." And I handed her the phone after 38 years of him abandoning me. And it was like, and my mom sat on the end of the bed and she was like, what the, oh my God. And she was like, and so he, you know, they just were cordial. And my mom was like, why did you do that? I was like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was excited. I wanted to see the two people that made me at least talk. And, I want to see you guys in a picture together. I just want to see you talk. Damn. Yeah, I don't know why I did it. But you know what? She was so gracious because my mom is a, a wonderful lady. And she said to what him, well, all I remember was he said something to her about, um, I think he, I, I, it feels like he apologized or said something apologetically about not being there while she was raising me. And I remember her saying, yeah, well, you need to know it was hard. It wasn't easy. It was hard. And, um, I think they said some other pleasantries and she handed me the phone back and she just shook her head. Like, I mean, cause she had not probably seen him since the court date when I was like two months old. She had not heard his voice. Nothing. I don't think we consider the fact that, you know, I'm a woman. I couldn't imagine if I got to raise this little baby by myself and this person who has evaded responsibility I still have to get over heartbreak and disappointment while I got to feed you and keep mm-hmm. you alive and oh, yeah. your life. And we all know, everybody listening to this, y'all know how heartbreak feels. It's a, it's a feeling where you're it before and I pray to God it never comes to me again. But it's like a physically sick mm-hmm. thing, but you still have to be present for your child. So yeah. I imagine that your mom maybe had a rush of emotion. Maybe she did like a lot of women in her position and she compacted those emotions and it became, it fermented into something else or it grew yeah. into something else. I, You know, I don't know. Did mom ever get remarried? Do you think that she ended up happy in the romantic part of her life? You know, she dated, she had some um, relationships, long-term relationships that, you know, with with a couple, I think two guys who she was serious with throughout the time that I was with. She was not really a serial dater and she's kind of conservative you know not really a, a yeah. woman who was out a lot but she um was so independent and she had always been independent and raised me as a single mom who was you know had risen up the ranks at her job and um, yeah didn't, didn't need a man so to speak right that mm-hmm. whole thing and so she never she got to a point where when she wasn't married and she dated the last guy she was like yeah I'm good you know <laughs> she just she's just yeah, gonna, so complicated she's like, oh. Yeah. She's like, I'm just going to go start gardening or something instead. Like she didn't really want to be bothered. So she never got yeah. married though. She said the only man she would have probably married would have been him. So. And she, Do you think that she still had emotional, like, I'm not going to say loved him, but now that you know what you know, you're a grown man. You've been there, done that. You can look your mother in the eye. Um, how does she feel about him? So I know she does not have that romantic inclination for him at all now, but I think that she um, still will always feel like, you know what, he karmically probably has to atone still for things. And she's hoping that he's, you know, being that person now that he should have been for whomever he has to be that person for now. Um, I did sense at one point 
she might have gotten a little jealous. And she was almost like, I, like you just said, here, I, I took care of this boy. And here he comes with his white knight simplex, you know, and this Corey thinks the sun rises and sets. But I had to tell her one day, I said, mom, um, you should be happy for me that, you know, I have my father in my life, but that has nothing to do with you and, you know, how I feel about you. We're not, we're some other thing, you and me, like we're yeah. a unit, you and me, but yeah, my father's in my life and I'm happy. But so what I've yeah. decided was to stop really talking about him around her. And that's fair. Yeah. I, think. I think that's fair. The human ego is one of the most fragile yet the most difficult things to penetrate. And considering the, I cannot imagine the sacrifices that she made to I mean, because I know that you are a phenomenal man. You're not a mediocre man. I don't see you as that. And I know that people around you don't see that. So Thank I know it's a lot. I know she gave it all she had Ooh. pouring it into you. And so, you know, it's like when another person gets to come in at the end of the group project <laughs> and, name, and take a bow. You know, you an A plus. So he gets to put his name that A plus. And she's like, wait a minute. He, he doesn't want me shooting in the gym. Yeah, this is, this was, he was not a group project, a good partner. So, um, but yes, her contribution is much more than his will ever be, and he just mm -hmm. won't have that opportunity. But I yeah. hope that you will be able to find a way to share your glee and glory with her without her feeling like it takes away from her sacrifices. And because there's not, you know, there's room in your heart to love both. That's how she raised you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm the product of. I'm a product of her never poisoning me against him because she always felt I may meet him one day and she wanted me to have a relationship yeah. with him. But now that it's happening, you know, every now and then um, she, you know, she gets a little bit like, I think, uh -huh. I, I think I sensed it um, for yeah. the first time a couple of weeks back when I said something about he wasn't feeling well when I had last spoken to him. And she said, Oh, I'm surprised you didn't drop everything and go and be by his side. <laughs> And I was like, and I said, mom, you know what? And that's when I realized that, oh. Girl, Miss Grimm, mama, Miss <laughs> you need to stop. Now you okay, so she feels like she's some kind of way. She's entitled to the little jug here and there, considering all the things she could have told you right. when you were a child. Right, right. So, you know, she was just having fun in a way, I think, with me. You know, she was just poking the bear a little bit. But I just said, mom, yeah. don't do that. I was like, you know. The, you know, Good I that said, they told her that though, because yeah. it does put you in a compromising position. Because you're like, I, you and you, I'm sure your mom, you and your mom are like best friends. You're like, mm -hmm. I can't share such a significant life journey with you, and that sucks. Yeah. So if it's is it possible? But I see a lot of young mothers doing that with their young kids, but it's 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 like on a massive scale, and oh, it yeah. causes division. So you know, I mean, you at this point, you grown. Yeah, I told I, that's how my way of handling it was just knowing that I really I will be more. And even my partner Jill was like, you know, you, now that she kind of sent you that little signal, now you know that you can just like not talk yeah. about him as much around her because he's not atoned with her. He's atoned with you. Right. right. He has built a relationship with you, but every single day of parenting by herself, he didn't even pay her. No. He didn't even no. contribute. He doesn't know what you ate for 38 years, how mm -hmm. you are alive. So I don't imagine she has positive feelings toward him. And I'm surprised when you said dad ain't feeling well, she didn't say hallelujah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, well, she's luckily she's a good woman. So she didn't like, you know, but she wasn't happy in his demise. But, um, yeah. you know, she just probably is better off without me talking about him. So, mm. like, so I'm going to keep my two worlds separate and, and, and tell her yeah. on, an, on, an, on a need to know basis when I talk to him or like when I go to Atlanta, uh, when we do this reunion, I'm going to let her know that. And I'm going to Is she going to come with you? No, she would never. But um, okay. Okay. But, you know, she's, she's really, like I said, happy about the sibling part. Yeah. Because she knows how much I used to always just wish I had brothers and sisters. Mm. So, so you know we've i said we were going to not be long today but Corey, it's just it's always so captivating talking to you i do have one last question though and this is kind of maybe you giving some words of encouragement to those listening maybe there's a father out there that has lost contact with yeah. his seed or there's a woman that's trying to support 
a child whose father has gone away. Or, you know, maybe there's a man or a woman in your position right now that's listening. Um, can you just kind of offer some words of encouragement as we wrap up? Yeah. To, to those people that are still in the in the um, in the struggle. Well, you know, it's going to be a different thing for different people. But if you are a child who are who's now in this situation, a grown up whose parent is there trying to reconnect, um, give them a chance, give them an opportunity, be patient, but only let it into your life if it works for you. Because at this stage in the game, you don't need to have your life disrupted by someone who's not really ready to commit to the reconciliation, because that takes you on an emotional roller coaster, like my father did me the first time. So give them an opportunity but have the conversation with them that you don't need it to be half-assed. You need it to be real and you need it to be consistent or else you really don't have time for it. As for the parents, I think the women should do what my mom did. Do not poison the child against the man who left because whatever you and that man had, that's not the same as what the child and the man could have later if they reconcile. So don't poison your kid against them. And don't take out your anger on the kid. I know some women who they look down at the kid. The kid looks just like the baby's father and they start abusing the kid and you ain't nothing like your father. You're just like your father. You ain't nothing. Don't do that. That's not good. You made that choice to have that baby with that man. So raise that child independently of that. And then lastly, for the men, if you have a baby with a woman out of wedlock or whatever your situation is, and you're not working with that, working out with that woman anymore, don't abandon your child. You don't have to be with the baby's mother. Even if you're broke, don't have any money, come around and let that kid know your presence and do what you can. You would be surprised at just stopping by once a week and buying him an ice cream cone and giving him a hug until you get it together. You have no idea how powerful that could be. If I had had that, my life would have been completely different emotionally. Just that would have been a big difference. So don't abandon your kids, no matter if you're with the baby's mama or not. And that is my advice for all parties involved yep Corey andrew Corey, can you tell everybody how to find you you yourself have a podcast um, yes yes I'm sure I some do. people are gonna they're gonna bombard you with questions and you guys <laughs> Corey, Corey is so gracious he will happily um help out so how do they find you how do they connect with you oh thank you yes of course well uh pretty much on all social media i use Corey andrew so on instagram and facebook i am Corey andrew so that's c-o-r-e-y andrew with no s of course so that's Corey andrew and um just look for the profile picture of a you know black guy with an afro big hair <laughs> and um my my podcast which is available everywhere is called Core Issues with Corey Andrew. So you can find that on all your podcasts. And I also do a podcast called Motivational Mondays presented by the NSLS, which is what Naja referenced earlier. And third, I am a co-host on Fridays with celebrity gossip columnist Rob Shooter, who has a podcast called The Naughty But Nice Podcast. The Naughty But Nice Podcast with Rob Shooter. And that's just celebrity dish and fun. So you can check me out there too, but that's it. And you can reach out to me and email me through pretty much all those sources. I love to Oh my God, Corey, I just love, love, love you. I love your energy, your spirit, your soul, you as a person. I'm just so thankful that you are one of these people that I get to experience. And, oh, and this thank was, you. and thank you for sharing. I know this touched someone and you, you shared things that I didn't know about you today. So. Thank you so much for being here. All right, I know I'm crazy audience. Was that, was that not amazing? As always, I'll see you guys every other Tuesday. This has been another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hawkins. Check us out everywhere. Your favorite podcasts are streaming. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. Naja Hawkins.